Thank you so much for watching The Last of Us You and Me podcast, a companion podcast for the HBO show The Last of Us. I am Sancho West, and this is a review and breakdown for the episode Endure and Survive. Well, this is a special episode because it did premiere on Friday ahead of the Super Bowl. And congratulations to Kansas City for not only winning the Super Bowl, but I guess being run over by the infected. We'll get more to that later. Of course, this is your first time watching this podcast. This is The Last of Us, you and me. So I encourage you to at me at Twitter, at Sancho West, with your responses or your theories and your commentary regarding The Last of Us. Because you're much a part of the show as much as I am. And this is a special episode as well because I was actually able to get your responses to the actual episode that I'm reviewing and breaking down of Endure and Survive. So I put it on Twitter, what was your thoughts? And I kind of much combined both of them uh, because I, I genuinely wish that the Henry and Sam saga was one episode, but of course, I guess they got to stretch it out just a little bit to that full nine. But I think this pairing of episodes should have been together like the first episode was a two episode in one because I really felt like this entire thing was disjointed. You got the introduction, of Kathleen and Perry and the hunters of Kansas City and those people, the liberation. And then you got this whole backstory with Henry and Sam. And then you have Joel and Ellie that they're developing as a team. And I just felt like the, together it was very muddled. And of course, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, that this episode will be a payoff for a lot of the setup. And I feel like some of the payoffs weren't as great. And I got to say, before we get into your tweets... I wasn't a fan of the cul-de-sac scene as much. It really felt like a kind of Game of Thrones type thing. And it just felt like, here's the thing that more importantly, I brought this up as a previous theory of it. Like a kind of like a look out ahead, a warning sign when it comes to the Last of Us show on HBO. I said, how would the people react to the bloater? And uh, I reached out to my wife, and my wife, of course, is watching this show with me, never played the video game, never heard of the video game, never seen the video game in action besides The Last of Us Faction because I made videos on it on YouTube. But she chuckled and laughed at the sight of the bloater when it popped out of the bottom of the ground. My father thought it was the queen bee. And this is where I think that, like I mentioned, it's a warning sign, and I didn't really feel the cul-de-sac battle, so to speak, was that the bloater feels very sci-fi to me. Whereas this entire HBO Last of Us show has really done a great job at grounding this video game and making this video game approachable for a lot of people who've never played video games or never seen The Last of Us. We got great cold opens in the science. We got great performances. We understood that it is real and we believe the infected. My wife even said, I could buy that these humans were infected and I could buy that this could actually happen. She could not buy the bloater. And I agree with her regarding the, the HBO Last of Us show. The bloater feels out of place. You're talking about this big pus bucket armor wielding kind of thing that could take on rounds and rounds of assault rifle ammunition could survive. Yes, was it cool seeing the bloater do its thing? Was it cool seeing the bloater basically be Brock Lesnar in the Royal Rumble, taking out people left and right, clearing house, mean gene? Yeah, but in the HBO Last of a Show, I felt that cul-de-sac battle felt disjointed. It felt weird. Joel up in the hunting rifle, perched, doing his thing. The only cool part of that entire scene was Joel approaching the old man. He said, don't. Okay, 
I apologize. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting into the plot. But that, I guess, would be the biggest hang-up that I have for this entire Henry and Sam saga of Episode 4 and Episode 5. But let's just go ahead. Enough about me. Let's go ahead into your tweets about this entire thing. Again, at me, at Sancho West. When I, uh, I tend to tweet this out and you ask for your replies and things of that sort. So I tweeted this out right before I was recording this episode. Here it is. This comes from Freight Train USA. Got to talk about the big black boater. Just the whole ending in general, really, it was so well done. The sewer throwback through issues from all the notes. Ellie using the gun, but saying it wasn't the first time she hurt someone. And why Henry did what he did for Sam. Okay, I'm done. The one thing that he was talking about was Ish. There was a drawing of two guards that was driven inside the sewer school, so to speak, the settlement inside. And Neil Druckmann saying that is from the game. It's straight from the game's. If you played the video game, or if you didn't know, a lot of the lore and backstory for everybody, the other stories in The Last of Us world, is found through notes and letters. And this was said by Neil Druckmann in the Inside the Episode right after this aired. This next one comes from Lower Than Average. Episode 5 was by far my favorite. It really showed the amount of detail they put in the effective and seeing dozens of infected poured out from the underground at once was magnificent. Don't even get me started on the bloater scene either. Hope we get to see another one later on. Okay, let me just jump back, okay? The cold sex scene did accomplish what it wanted to do. Craig Mazin, in Inside the Episode, talked about that he wanted to show how scary the infected were and make it believable why this infection basically wiped out the world quickly, seeing all the runners and clickers and bloaters work together, just swarm a heavily armed militia. Quite frightening. And that in itself was good, but again, when the Royal Rumble countdown came out, I'm gonna keep going with this metaphor, came down and all of a sudden the bloater entered, that's when it was getting comical. This man was literally choke slamming everybody out of the ground, and all of a sudden he just rips apart Barry Perry. That was the only cool part, the entire thing. But again, it was out in the distance, and I wanted to see it up close. Last week comes from Macho T. The ending scene of episode five was breathtaking. So that's is what we're talking about. The Henry and Sam now. I mentioned earlier that this should have been a two-parter, and I really believe that the previous episode was a setup to this payoff. And I think that the payoff for Henry and Sam really did work. There's a couple of things that I do wish, though, in regards to this entire thing of the last of us HBO. And I really do feel this yearning every time I watch it is that I wish I didn't play the game. Now, I'm going to tell you something is that I've only played this game once and I've only beat it once. But the story still resonated to me. And I was going through a playthrough right before the Last of Us HBO show was announced. So Personally, I don't have a lot of a like familiarity with the experiences of the story, but I still know it like the back of my hand, if that makes sense. I didn't burn myself out on the story. But knowing what happens to Henry and Sam, missing out on that visceral emotional reaction to a lot of it. And when it comes to things that are being displayed that from straight from the video game track is what I like to call in this podcast, the video game track. It doesn't hit hard to me as much as Bill and Frank did because Bill and Frank was not a part of the game. They took a risk and they made something very much beautiful in regard to Bill and Frank's story. And that's what I was hoping that I would get with Henry and Sam. What And I think, again, the problem was is Bill and Frank had literally an hour plus to get through that story. And Henry and Sam, their episode was cut in half and they had to deal with Kathleen and Perry, which I feel, again, didn't really try to hit that strong as they were hoping it would hit. So in regards to this episode, like I mentioned, it's a little bit sloppy, still a cool episode. And I think Henry and Sam relationship, which we'll get into the plot breakdown and the changes that they made to Henry and Sam 
were really, really well done. The bloater is a slight miss. The colder sec felt like a Game of Thrones episode. Let me unpack that for real quick before we get to in the plot. Game of Thrones, okay? Let's go into that. Game of Thrones, this whole thing, and this is not really going to be a big spoilers. They kept talking about winter is coming, winter is coming, the White Walkers and White Walkers. They spent, felt like seasons, multiple episodes setting up the White Walkers or how scary they were and how no one really knew what they had never seen one. And they spent time of giving us teases and things of that sort. Here in The Last of Us HBO, I feel that the bloater is kind of like out of nowhere. If you were just going from the HBO Last of Us, they kind of try and explain it that the infection, the longer it infests in you and you pus, whatever, you would turn into that, right? And so they tried it, but I really do believe the great work in the first three episodes didn't really prepare us for what this bloater was. If the show stuck to what the kind of what the actual game itself had the bloater in the video game was kind of introduced earlier in billstown in a high school it served as a mini boss and in first the exposure to it you know this thing was throwing acid bombs around. holy this thing's scary so when the bloater finally makes an appearance here later on the show after all the realistic grounding and here we are with this thing it kind of it's hard it's a hard sell. In fact, like I mentioned my my wife who's never seen the game, never played the game, never heard stories from it. She chuckled when she first saw it and my dad thought it was like the queen bee of infected. And I think that a lot of people, the casual audience would have that reaction to this bloater. And I think that the reason why it works in the video game more than the HBO show is that in the video games it serves as a purpose as a video game thing. Video games require a mini boss. They require things that eat your ammo. They require things for you to, you know, feel that tension, to feel that being afraid of something and, you know, eating up all your supply. That's what they serve. They reset you. But in the HBO show, it didn't add anything. I mean, we saw Perry just level, put a whole bunch of lead into it. And what's going to happen when Joel runs into that? In the video game, Joel uses his, you know, various melee things. He uses smoke bombs and all these kind of nail bombs to kind of slow down the bloater. But in that show, that bloater is unstoppable. Like I mentioned, Perry put a whole assault rifle mag into it, and that thing did not stop. There's no way Joel could figure that out. But that, again, that's the only thing I have for the show. Now, let's go into the actual plot. I kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but let's go to the plot of the episode of Endure and Survive. It opens up with a very, very cruel and like very, very revolting We the People, uh, the revolution, the liberation of Kathleen's people taking over of uh, Kansas City. And what's interesting is the kind of upending of Fedra in the Last of Us HBO show is literally like 10 days into when Joel and Ellie shows up. And I found that weird because I feel like they were set up from the get-go. They were organized, but I guess that attributes to Kathleen as a, you know, someone who is an organizer, who is smart. And in fact, in the episode, Perry's like, we follow you, we believe you. And then later in the episode, we figure out that Henry killed Kathleen's brother, who was the one that was very inspiring, that kind of got the people going, got them off their feet, led the revolution in Fedra. And Henry assassinated this man so he can get the medicine, leukemia medicine for his brother, Sam. One of the things that Neil Druckmann talks about is this entire show is gonna be about love and love is gonna be the theme throughout the entire thing. And the thing that is the most prevalent thing is Joel said it himself in that truck scene is family. 
You do anything you can for family. And what are you willing to do to protect the ones you love? Bill talks about this is that we're men. Our job is to protect others. That is what we do. And Joel is obviously in the embodiment of that as he's continuing going on through this. But it's so interesting to see such a fresh revolution here and ultra violence scene in all the Fedra, uh, no mercy throughout the entire thing. Kind of reminds me of the French Revolution, how they literally did the upended the entire French monarchy and <laughs> did some nefarious things to royalty at that time. One thing that I am kind of getting tired of in regarding to a lot of media these days is the disconnected villain. The tone of the voice from Kathleen, it just didn't really feel that it's not the actress's performance because I really do think that this is a kind of like a stereotype that there's some villains are that are supposed to be humanized villains. They have this disconnect from it. They say some things that makes you want to believe in them, but it just doesn't ring true. And I think that it is such a nuanced type of thing to pull off. And I think it's a combination of the writing as well, the ad, the performance that doesn't give me Kathleen. Kathleen comes off as someone that is not David. And David, the performance of the video game VO by um, the one and only Nolan North is so much, much more nuanced than we have here with Kathleen. Of course, we see Henry and Sam. This is again, a flashback to what we saw in the previous episode of Henry and Sam hiding in the attic, the doctor that was executed in the shipping container. We see him, how he was able to help Henry and Sam. We see the food and that's all running out. Um, the one thing is as well is that we're seeing is I, I wrote this down. It says love and love is a sacrifice, is a preservation. So you're seeing that all these characters, they make sacrifices out of love and they do this sometimes despite preservation, but this love is keeping them going for Henry and Sam. Like I mentioned, a lot of parallels between Joel and Ellie, but this is interesting because Joel and Ellie are not family at all. Henry and Sam are. Their bond is a lot stronger. So it's interesting to see at the, of course, we flash forward to the end of the episode. Joel is sitting with this thought is that Ellie's becoming family and I am becoming a father. Henry even points out to them, that is not your dad. And I love that joke. He's like, I'm not her dad and he's not my dad. But I love that thing that Henry's observant note saying that I know that's not your daughter, but you are a dad. You were a dad at some point. So we're seeing that. What I'm interested to see is, you know, at this point, Henry appears to be like a nonviolent man. He is forced to survive in a violent world. We, this is a point we didn't know about what he did to Kathleen's brother. And you've seen that well, the note that I was going to go on before it revealed that he actually did something was that this is what's interesting about a post-apocalyptic world. What is human nature willing to do to survive? Can your morals survive a world where there's no morals and that we're humans like Joel make do things? And we know what kind of things that Joel did in order to survive, but he's alive. So it's so interesting to see Henry, who we find out later, had to do some things to survive. Now, one of the things I have here as well is they changed the character of Sam in the video game. Sam is very vocal and he has a lot of interactions with Ellie and a lot of great dialogue as well has been replaced uh, with Sam. Now, Sam, of course, is performed by a great actor here by Kevon Woodard, who's actually deaf. 
and I'm only using that word because that's what he described himself. He's actually a deaf actor. And what was really cool and inside the episode was not only they had uh, him on set, they had an ASL director, which is really cool as well. Because I've always wondered what it would look as someone who is an actor. Uh, how would that be portrayed on screen? I really did felt it added a lot of genuine reactions from Sam and Henry uh, Lamar. Uh, Johnson did a great job of, you know, communicating with him, the ASL, the acting was still there and I enjoyed that connection. And I did enjoy the change from Sam from the video game, because I think the goal for that was to make Sam like, look, dude, like Sam needs help. We're talking about a world where there's humans, where there's infected, there's runners, there's clickers, and he has no auditorial way to keep up with everything. And his, that shows you how much that Sam relies on Henry and Henry understands that without him, that his little brother won't survive in this world. Now we go into where, you know, Joel and Henry, they finally combine all together here. We catch up to how the previous episodes cliffhanger is. And we see, you know, some great barbs between Joel and Ellie and things of that sort. And they kind of form together a group understanding that they need to survive. Joel needs Henry to tell him how to get out of Kansas City. And Henry needs the extra kind of manpower behind Joel. And Joel has experience of fighting clickers and infected and things of that sort. So we eventually get to the tunnels, which is always a great set piece when it comes to the video game. The tunnels are filled, as you know, with the nefarious infected. And I don't want to get too much into future game stuff, but the tunnels are not a good place to be. In fact, in the, in the video game, the tunnels are filled with spores. For those who don't know, in the video game world, spores were another way to get infected through the air, but they did nix that and it made it more tendril tentacles that can infect you. So now we see this settlement underneath it's a basement and you see all these kind of preschool type things. You see a family that used to live there. You see Ish, which was uh, brought by freight train. Ish is a kind of like a backstory that it had in the video game. Neil Druckmann talked about in the episode is that in the video game, you find this lore through notes and they actually had the actual picture on the wall, which is really cool because that's something you interact with in the video game. And that's the only way you were able to jump into other characters' POVs was with through these notes or tape recordings. Because in, like I mentioned, the video game, you're stuck to Joel's POV. So the school itself represents like the last moment of innocence. And in the inside the episode, they talked about how the school was an example, how people try to survive. Some people went underground. They were trying to make sure that they had everything locked down. And of course it's empty and you see it didn't work out, but there used to be happiness in this world. There used to be light in this darkness, in this school. And they kind of take a moment to take a pause. Ellie convinces Joel, like, please let us just relax. We're not going to do anything. Henry says, hey, it's better to move in the shadows later on when we get to the other side. And you see a sweet moment between Sam and Ellie, and you're seeing their relationship finally able to grow. Like I mentioned, the video game, there's a lot of dialogue between the two. But here, I like the idea that is that as an observer, as someone, that's the thing as well. Like the medium between video games and movies is that in movies, you don't need everything to be spelt out for you. You just see it with your eyes and you understand like they're making a bond. Video games tend to kind of spell it out for you. So it was nice to see that relationship grow 
organically. And then we see the reveal of the Savage Starlight comic, which is the video games universe. It actually exists. It's a comic book series that I was believed is made in the movies as well. So it's kind of like it's Marvel and DC type of thing. And then you see Henry and Joel talk about the iconic lines of to the edge of the universe and back and endure and survive, how they kind of poke fun of it. Because as you see, that is the tagline for this podcast as well. I sign off with endure and survive. And it's just something that all the fans of The Last of Us know that is Ellie's thing to the edge of the universe and back and endure and survive. So we're seeing that being not only told to Sam, but Henry and Joel talking about it. And one thing that I note here is that Joel in general feels well-rounded. There's a lot of nuance between Joel. It is not just a man trying to survive. It's not just a dude trying to do the right thing. It's not just a, uh, a hardened, stubborn mule type of guy this dude has layers and that's what i'm enjoying that in this scene he goes man henry like dude i i called you a rat i said you're a collaborator and i i didn't know man you obviously did it for the right thing to protect your brother sam and i apologize for that i feel like that's something that troy baker's joel would never do and we already saw a couple of things where this pedro pascal's joel you know having regret that ellie shot somebody like these are the things that i'm really enjoying and which what I like about it the most was that when Joel makes this uh, a decision later on in the in the run, I'm starting to see why he made that decision, and I'm excited to see how it all plays out. But this is where I wrote, yeah, Joel, well-rounded. This is where, of course, we find out where Henry assassinated Kathleen's brother, and we're seeing like all the things that he had to do, and that he actually had to make a violent choice. And one of my favorite lines that I took a note here is Henry saying, I'm the bad guy because I did a bad guy thing. Spoilers for The Last of Us show and part one. I'm going to say this right now. Spoilers. So I'm just going to give you like a little second here. Just like skip forward 30 seconds. This is where Joel's decision makes the most sense in correlation to The Last of Us Part 2. I've always said, I'm not going to spoil you what happens in The Last of Us Part 2, but I've always said, Joel is not a good dude. He's a bad guy. And just because he does a good thing, doesn't make him a good guy for all the bad things that he's done. And it's so interesting to hear Henry say this to him. I'm the bad guy because I did a bad thing. One of the things that in The Last of Us Part 2, it talks about this grayness between good and bad. It's black and white. And it's interesting that Henry kind of just says it bluntly. Okay. Lastly, as well, the one note that I have in the scene is that you see this thing of a violent cycle. This is a theme that The Last of Us Part 2 tackled as well. That violence begets violence and it just keeps going and going and going. Henry took out Kathleen's brother. Kathleen has no like, no forgiveness in her heart. She just sees nothing but blind rage and wants revenge. We all know what happens to Kathleen. But violence cycle is a theme that will be prevalent throughout this Last of Us show's run. Then we get the Perry and Kathleen scene where Perry finds Kathleen in her old home, in her childhood home. And this is where, you know, another thing that's coming from The Last of Us Part Two is humanizing the villains. And I just, again, didn't really ring true to me, didn't really hit me. I would have loved a flashback maybe to just break up. Um, I'm The only thing is, like, sometimes I'm not a fan of two characters just standing in a room talking to each other. 
Um, I've seen some movies where I talked about this at the very beginning of the podcast where, you know, unnecessary crossing. But sometimes if you're just stagnant, you need to break it up with some flashbacks or something like that. I would have loved to see Kathleen younger, seeing her brother, or maybe just scenes with her brother when she's talking about it. I mean, I've been on stage before with a monologue. And I'm not saying I'm not like a like a you know prolific actor or things of that sort, but in my experience, I've been on stage when you have to talk a lot. And on theater stage, you there's no cutscene, there's no flashback, there's nothing. It's just you talking. And there, a lot of the, the carrying of the weight went to Kathleen. And I, I just I needed some help. It needed some help. But again, another humanizing side to the villain. I think well, this is my note right here, but Perry, that dude has the best beard I ever seen in the apocalypse. So, I mean, my man is probably spending oodles and oodles of ration cards. My man's trading. My man's doing all that he can to get beard bomb and beard oils because that thing is looking fresh. There must have been a barber out there or I don't know who, but look at Perry's beard. That thing is too clean for someone that has been in the post-apocalyptic world and the Kansas City militia don't have it that nice for Perry to have it that clean. But I digress. Of course, like I mentioned before, there is a juxtaposition between Kelly's, uh, Kathleen's blind revenge and what happens in other things. If you know, you know. So now we're getting closer and closer to the finale of the episode. Uh, I did talk about a little bit of the cul-de-sac thing, so I won't really get too far into it. But this is where I really think the scenes and the show need to lean into a lot more because this moment where Pedro Pascal flanks the sniper in the video game it was in broad daylight, but there's a moment here at night. He flanks the sniper and he looks at the dude. And it's an old dude. And he's like, dude, don't, right? Just says, please don't. And this is what I'm talking about. Joel is well-rounded, man. Joel has seen things and he doesn't want to take another life. He's like, please, dude, don't, don't, don't. And this moment hits harder to me than all the gore, than all the violence, than the Game of Thrones battle that's about to happen. So Joel takes out that dude. Ellie, Sam, and Henry are pinned down. Then all of a sudden, Joel realizes that the radio is going off. And then Kathleen is saying, we'll be right there. And then all of a sudden, you know, here comes Kathleen's people. They have a little like a bulldozer truck coming through. Joel's trying to stop him. Joel misses a lot of shots. And this is where I like I like I felt like things were weird. Like I would have loved to see Joel look for more ammo. Because that man was just, you know, bolt action in that rifle and just didn't have to find ammo. I mean, I don't know how much that thing holds, but it felt like it held like 30, 40 rounds. I like John Wick type things where they actually have to reload. And in the video game. We never had that much ammo. I know it's weird to say, and I know if you're someone who's out there like, Sancho, it's not the video game, it's the show. But if the show is trying to capture that literally a baggie, a Ziploc bag needs to be taken back from someone who is doing a deal and that there's stuff that's scarce everywhere, it would make sense. Now, the only thing that you could say, but Sancho... That sniper's nest most likely had a bunch of ammo. Well, let me see Joel reach in and grab it. That's all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. I feel like this entire moment was just going for the spectacle of it. It was going, it felt like an uncharted set piece. You literally had a truck mowing down cars. You literally had a moment where infected spew out of a sewer, which I'm like, I don't know, a septic tank out in the residential area i don't know if there would be that much people sitting 
I don't know. I'm not a city planner, but we all know that this was the action set piece that they were trying to appease us fans who wanted some violence. And here it is. A couple of notes that I have here. The baby clicker, though, right? A little child clicker just showing you how, you know, scary this thing is and that, you know, no one is safe from turning into infected. And that thing moves a lot. I believe she was a contortionist, the actual actress. And also as well, they actually did a lot of the, the person who did was responsible for the plan of the apes choreography was used for the choreography for the infected. And the, there's not a lot of CGI involved in those actual people running around. And of course, it might be CGI here and there. Some things that I'd like to highlight from the cul-de-sac scene was seeing Ellie do some shiving. Um, it was a little bit of herky-jerky, but, you know, seeing Ellie with her switchblade doing some work, getting the shivs in. Ellie being the companion uh, thing that has always been the last of us, actually doing some work. That was very nice. And they, like I mentioned, the goal of this entire scene, what was said from the showrunners, was to show us how dangerous the Horde is. And I, I bought it. And it wiped out everybody. And then it started pushing into Kansas City. So... Congratulations, you won a Super Bowl, but Patrick Mahomes is gone. Not only that, Kathleen, gone. Eaten by a baby clicker. And so that happened there. And like I said, it's just like, of course Perry and Kathleen were going to go. Perry got ripped, like the video game, there was an animation where the bloater just rips you in half by your face. Um, yeah, it, it, you just know they had to get rid of him. Um, didn't really feel anything for these characters going bye-bye. Uh, but, you know, you got... You have, like I mentioned, it just felt like very Game of Thronesy. Um, so this is the thing. We leave that scene. Joel leaves. Ellie, Sam, Henry leave. But this is where the actual juice of this entire thing. Now we're getting into the payoff. We're getting closer and closer to Henry and Sam scene from the video game. The big difference is now that we detach the camera, now we're with Ellie. And the, Ellie and Sam have this wonderful scene. And I think is probably the strongest scene in this entire episode where Sam reveals that he is infected, that he got bit. And Ellie, you know, trying to be the hero, doesn't understand science, of course, federal education. She goes and she cuts her hands and tries to heal Sam with her blood. She said, my blood is magic. And that was very heartbreaking to watch. And then Sam asking the question, you know, if I'm infected, if I turn into a monster, am I me inside? Something like that. And that is where I was like, yeah, man, this is what I'm looking for. And this is what's gravitating me to the show more and more. And how sweet Ellie is as well. Because we don't really see that side of Ellie as much in the video game. Her understanding that she feels responsible for Sam. And, you know, she did all that she can to save Sam and Henry. And, of course, you know, frame for frame, Sam, you know, comes out and he's infected. And then Henry has to do his thing. And, like I said, well performed, well acted, but I've seen it before. <laughs> and I wish I didn't know what was happening. It totally shocked my wife uh, when it happened. And she was, she knew that that had to be done. And that's where it's interesting is someone who is family losing their loved one right then and there. And we saw it again with Bill and Frank, Henry and Sam, loved ones love. If one's not around, the other has to go as well. But it was a very, 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 very class A scene from The Last of Us cast. I love the burial scene. I feel like, I'm trying to think about the video game. I don't think they had a burial scene. I think that it was it was very nicely done. Um, Joel's performance in that scene, uh, 
Bella Ramsey's Ellie's performance in that scene. It's seen Ellie a little bit disconnected from that as well. Um, but then she didn't want to show her sorrow and she put it in the note. She wrote on the thing, the etchy thing, it says, I'm sorry. So those are some really good stuff, man. Some really good stuff. But like I mentioned, just getting to it, a little bit of herky-jerky. And I don't need big, gory action set pieces. I don't need bloaters, man. Um, I, and I think that's the thing about it is like, I feel like it's a delicate balance between The Last of Us fans and The Last of Us showrunners is how can we give them the infected? How can we give them the bloater and the clickers? I mentioned earlier when the clickers were first introduced and in I believe episode two, I was like, eh, I mean, they are right. I'm not saying that they're not true to the game and they're not, they're not authentic to the game, but I feel like they're not authentic to the actual show itself. It's a different medium. There's two different trains of thought between The Last of Us show and The Last of Us video game. Right now, what The Last of Us show is nailing is the characters, the performances, the actors, all about it, the backstories, the lore, all that, the dialogue, the writing, all that is done so well. And right now, they're nailing the video game's infected part two, but it's not serving The Last of Us show. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Last of Us You and Me podcast. Again, my name is Sancho West. Please at me at Sancho West. Of course, every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, we will have a new show for the podcast. And I appreciate y'all for stopping on by. And as always, endure and survive. Adios, y'all.